You're listening to Felony Podcast with your host, Dave Dahl, on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. My name is Mark Grimes, co-founder of Startup Radio Network. Also with us in the studio, Dave's partner in crime, Lad Justison. Yeah, and this is Felony Inc., and I'm Dave Dahl, formerly of Dave's Killer Bread. And, hey, Lad, what the hell you been up to, man? I haven't talked to you for a couple days. I know. You're, just, you're so busy. It's, it's hard to catch up with you. Yeah, but you what know, have you been doing? It's not about me. I'm asking you. Well, well you know, I've been uh, over at one of your businesses uh, helping set up for a little thing we got going on this weekend. So it's been kind of hectic over there, but I think it's going to work out. Right on. Well, good job. Um, so, you know what? What, we, what else we got? Our guest in the studio this week is Sean Beers. Did I say that right? You did say it right. Oh, man. <laughs> 26 years ago, Sean was caught in a DEA sting with five pounds of cocaine. It happens. Serving 39 months in prison helped get him straightened out, but it also created significant hurdles. Today, he'll talk with us about how he overcame them. Go ahead, lad. All right, Dave. You know, we we got a little thing here I'm going to read about Sean, and it's pretty impressive. So let me get through it. You'll, uh, You'll be impressed. Sean Beers is president of Portland Products Works, license of premium global brands of the footwear category. He is also vice chair at Oregon Entrepreneurs Network and in the past CEO of Corker's Products, general manager of the Sorrel brand with global product line, Salesforce and P&L responsibility, and also general manager of Columbia Sportswear Footwear Division with global product line and P&L responsibility. He's also a member of the Board of Directors of the National Crime Victim Law Institute, an NPO that actively promotes balance and fairness in the justice system through crime victim-centered legal advocacy. Um, he's also, um, edu- oh, this also includes education and resource sharing. Sean is a double threat as a licensed attorney in Oregon and also a licensed CPA. And somebody's clearly very good at making Sean look good. <laughs> Whoever wrote that is, man, that's solid stuff. That's really cool. Sean, uh, you're kind of intimidating with, uh, with all that background. Welcome. Well, thanks for having me. I re- really appreciate it. Um, you know, it's just a function of hard work more than anything else. But I always wanted to get as far away from my past as I possibly could. And it seems at this point I'm pretty far away from it so kind of a go-getter overachiever maybe a little bit some both, people might say that both before and after yeah. prison yeah i don't think you are i don't think you're an overachiever i think uh you're doing what you should be doing you're the that's the right kind of thing for guys like us not to say that we're the same but there's some similarities sure. there we i know in our background there's some there's some similar um we definitely had similar sort of uh, appearances yeah. with our trench coats and our big, big cell phones and long hair and, you know, sawed-off shotguns and whatever, uh, all that silly stuff. Yep. So, hey, Sean, uh, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, start where you want to, but uh, tell us about your uh, what matters in your history. Yeah, sure. Um, well, <clears throat> you know, I basically... Um, went, uh, I guess, off the rails in high school um, and maybe even starting in junior high when I 
found drugs, frankly. Um, one thing led to the next, and I ended up dropping out of high school in my senior year, um, selling cocaine, um, intravenous drug use, really just running the streets wild, and frankly, for no good reason. I had great parents, very loving home, all by all accounts, a normal upbringing, and um, you know, no no disadvantages to speak of. Um, yet I wanted to create some for myself, and I <laughs> set out doing exactly that. So you wanted um, to create a story. Yeah, I, we, we, and, and that's that. what we've done, exactly. Uh, you know, unfortunately, it, it did hurt a lot of people in the process, uh, my folks, um, for example, and, um, you know, that's regrettable for sure, but um, we're doing what we can to make up for that at, at this point in time. So. Are they, uh, you know, now is, are things kind of mended because of everything? Sure, yeah. I mean, for the most part, yeah, we have, we have a good relationship. Um, um, you know, they stuck by me the whole, the whole time, basically, and um, and. Uh, you know, it just took longer to play out than, than it should have. But uh, They always believed in you. Yeah, they always believed in me. Yeah. They said, well, just, you know, get put that energy into something good and look out. Yeah, that's right. That's basically it. Yep. So, you know, I, I uh, again, sort of ran the streets and, and was um, selling quite a bit of cocaine back in, in um, the 80s and into early 90s and ended up moving down to Los Angeles. Um you know, there's save the gory details, but the the upshot is I ended up getting busted the, for the second time um, on a felony uh, conviction for cocaine distribution in Los Angeles on the day of the Rodney King riots, which was um, a bad day to go to jail. Yeah, it's probably the worst day, frankly, in my lifetime that I could have picked to, to to go to Los Angeles County Jail for a lot of reasons. But the racial tensions were quite high, and um, it was just very intense environment. I think ordinarily it is, but at that time period was especially intense um i remember it myself you know in retrospect i i feel like um it was a real gift frankly i mean the tougher it was the adversity what does it do it teaches us exactly yeah about ourselves yeah so i'm glad it was as hard as it was and it was like shocking to me um literally uh just survival mode for the better part of a year when i was in los angeles county jail and um and it really helped me form some things inside that that made me the entrepreneur that I am today and I think without that I wouldn't have had the the perseverance and the attitude and the um, sort of thick never skin. say die the thick skin that, that um, that's required frankly to, to be successful as an entrepreneur you know I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs and, and it, there's plenty of examples of folks out there who we look at as as successful entrepreneurs and I think we mistakenly I know we mistakenly assume that they had some you know easy ride and it worked out for them just you know like magic from the beginning but the fact of the matter is I've never met one person who's achieved success who didn't have a god-awful story to tell about how difficult it was and how um, emotionally draining and um, you know subject to all the sort of things that we go through as entrepreneurs it's just a it's a tough ride, and it, you, you got to be prepared for it. And um, I think the the my background in in, in prison and so forth is um, a pretty fundamental part of what helped me. I'm not recommending that as the approach for everybody, but for me personally, that's um, that that helped uh, solidify what what I needed in order to be successful. So, what kind of sentence did you get to begin with? Um, it was a f- five year sentence uh, in, in California on my last conviction, my final conviction, which was my second felony. Um, Fortunately, not your third. Fortunately, not my third. And there was, <clears throat> I was highly cognizant of the fact that I was two in and there was a three strikes law in California and it was time for me to grow up and quit quit messing around and, and um, use the tools that 
my parents and and uh, whoever had given me and and uh, in a way that was um, more productive and virtuous than what I had been doing. So you know, um, uh, a theme that we've seen a lot um, with the guests that we've had here is that they took advantage of uh, different programs, education, in uh, while they were in prison. Was that your case? Yeah, it was. I wouldn't say they were programs as much as I forced my way to take it, to avail myself of some educational opportunities. Correspondence courses. Things yeah, like. correct. So, I mean, I got a, I was, you know, I had a great job in prison and I loved it. Um, I never had a job before, uh, really, of any sort. And uh, I did love it. And um, I love the programmatic nature of the environment. It helped me get my head straight. And, you know, I lifted a lot, got really healthy, um, both mentally and physically. Um you know, they didn't make it easy for you to take correspondence courses there. I mean, the prison guards aren't yeah, big fans hoops. of that stuff. And, yeah, they don't you know, want you to. They, they don't want you to better yourself. They don't look at like that. And, um, you know, I did end up getting about a year and a half of, of uh, college and undergraduate under my belt um, when I was in prison through Portland State's uh, correspondence program. So it was, uh, I really felt like I hit the street or the ground running when I got back to the street um, in terms of my education. So, And, it, and that's such a key, huh, lad? I mean, we... We talked to just about everybody we've talked to. They learned early on, somewhere, way before they were, say, successful. In fact, to me, the first moment where you're successful is when you realize that you're the one that has the power to, to either fuck your life up or, or do it the other way. That's right. Uh, and once you have that power, it, it really doesn't matter um, if you are financially you know, if you get wealthy or otherwise, for me, it was just uh, knowing that I was that I was okay yeah. and that I was I, I could do it. You know, I could you know I can enjoy the journey. Yep. Once I learned to enjoy the journey, that I, I was successful. Yeah, I feel the same way. And and for me, again, the educational component was really really important. So Huge you know, for getting me too. educated is everything. Um, and and that's my advice to a lot of folks that I meet that are coming out of prison or um, you know that are entrepreneurs uh, in similar situations. Um, or non-entrepreneurs, for that matter. Just, just the educational component is really, really critical. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, I didn't have a silver spoon. I didn't have a lot of, you know, uh, uh, major financial advantages by any means. So, you know, I ended up paying my own way through school and both undergraduate and law school. And, um, you know, it's just a matter of perseverance like anything else. But what you're at, once you get control of it and you know that you can own your destiny, then, then that really changes the game. And I, I just didn't see that until I got clear and I got into prison and I was able to clear my head and get healthy. You know, so, Sean, one of the things that uh, was a big thing for me and, you know, when I was in prison was that, um, you know, when I decided that I was not going to do what I had been doing before, um, was that I kind of started hanging around with the guys that I knew were having a positive, you know, strike on themselves. That's where I met Dave and, you know, the positive positivity from him and other guys that I hung around with really had an effect on me. Was that, was that something happening? Yeah, is that inside or outside? Inside. Well, yeah, inside. inside. Yeah, exactly. Well, inside, you know, there's a lot of, you can fall into a lot of different traps and a lot of different cliques and, and um, they're all short-sighted and we're all, you know, they're all, uh, they're all coming back for the most part. And, um, um, and so you got to work hard to find, you know, others that maybe are similarly minded and looking to, to do something different with their lives. And I did find a couple of folks. Uh, in fact, one of my investors is, is, uh, uh, somebody I met in, in, inside and he's done a great job for himself as well on the, on the outside. And, um, and, uh, you know, really, uh, found music again inside and played in a band and, and was able to, 
um, associate myself with with um, uh, folks that were real positive, and and so th- th- they're rare, but they're there, and that's that did make a big difference for me. Well, that's what Lad and I did is we we played music in there. In fact, that's I first looked at Lad, I'm like he walked up to me on the yard, and I'm like, dude, here we go, and I'm like, dude, um, you know, I don't, don't sit down. He was thinking I was, you know, child like a molester. child molester or something. But the thing is, is that I never told him this before, but I thought he was gay. And so he comes up and nothing sits down with, with me. What's wrong know? with being gay? Nothing. Nah, first there's of all. nothing wrong okay. with it. I'm not gay. That's just, you know, that's if just. If I was, boy, I would have had a lot of fun in there. <laughs> so, anyway. Well. So where were we? Before yeah. we. Well, yeah. so when I got, just continuing, I guess, down the path of the, the story, I, I um, you know, I. I I got out in 94, um, and I was ready to go. I thought, uh, here I am all clean and smart and, all, you know, clean shaven. I'm ready. I, I can, you know, somebody hire me. I'm ready to knock and it out it the And the adversity wasn't over. Nope. And it just started. And yeah. um, the reality is um, when I – I will tell one quick story here about uh, my first uh, job, and there's a guy in Portland uh, by the name of Dean Morell. Maybe he lives in Seattle now. But anyways, he was the manager of the Smith Barney branch here in Portland, and I don't know how I got connected to Dean exactly, but, you know, this is like weeks after I got out of prison, and he actually offered me a job. I told him my background, and he offered me a job. It was like database entry stuff, but I thought, you know, while I started database so, entry, I'm going to be a stockbroker. Be I'm good gonna at do, that. I'm going to grow from there, and I'm going to probably be, you know, top of ranks of Smith Barney one of these days. Um, Great way to start. Great well, way to think. So I worked through the weekend, and... Uh, the next week, the branch manager and Dean came to me and said, well, you know, based on your background, we appreciate you telling us all about it, but now we have to get you bonded because you're in the financial services industry, and um, so you got to tell us if you really want to be here long term, because if you do, we'll go to bat for you, but if you don't, then, you know, what, what saved the money and the headache? Because You weren't sure you did want to And I told them I didn't want to do it, and yeah. so I actually gave them their money back. I don't know why, uh, what yeah. the hell I was thinking about, but... Uh, what a numb nuts. And uh, I know, and... Uh, and, you know, years later, I got a note from Dean with the check that I had given back to him. And, and just he was reminiscing about that whole episode. And um, this is far, you know, after I had already done a bunch of stuff in corporate world and even started my own business. And he reconnected with me. But I remember coming out of that, um, you know, so elated getting the job at Smith Barney. Um, I mean, it happened immediately after I got out of prison. And then so deflated when I realized, oh, there's really a significant wall here for me mm-hmm. to, to, to climb. And um, I think maybe it's probably the only day other than the day that my grandfather died that I cried in the last 30 years. I uh, just felt like I let my future wife down. And um, well, How long had you been out at this point? A month, oh, okay. two months maybe. Yeah, and, and all of a sudden time is going really, I mean, it's a, you're doing a hard time again. You yeah, know? exactly right. You may have figured out while you're in there how to be free. Mentally and you so bet. forth in prison, I did. Uh, and you get out, and there's a whole set of new uh, barriers. You bet. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it was even maybe scarier in some ways because you don't, because at least inside, you, you you almost always know what your you're adversity is that you're facing. Facing well, you're taking care, of, but you also know who your enemies are. You know where your obstacles are. You know what time it is pretty much all, all day long. But on the outside, people aren't willing to tell you that they're not going to hire you because of this or they're not going to be around you because of your background. They don't say that out loud. They just no. don't do it. Right. So you don't really know who, who and what you're dealing with. Uh, and uh, so anyways, I was you know around this, this um, concept of the power of perseverance is a kind of a, a concept that I promote a lot to, to everybody, frankly. Um, I had to pick myself up again and figure out, okay, we're going to try another 
path? How are we going to do this thing? Um, you know, one thing led to the next. I, uh, I ended up getting a job as an accountant because I had studied accounting in, in prison, and, and so I was capable enough to, to, to be a sort of an entry-level bookkeeper accountant for a small firm. Um, Columbia Sportswear was one of our clients. I ended up, um, over a couple-year period, moving from the accounting function to actually running that account. So Columbia was my account, as, and I was representing them to Wall Street at that time. And... Um, Again, uh, through a series of events, I ended up as an internal employee at Columbia Sportswear um, through that uh, relationship that, that I walked into. Um, it's my second job. Well, this is a great start to uh, a good show, and um, we still have a long ways to go. But I'm going to do an ad here. And you know, CPA dudes, where, where accounting is never boring. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Uh, their price is not based on time. Customers decide the value to them. Their price is not based on time. Customers decide the value to them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just enjoy getting the job done. Find them at cpadudes.com forward slash startup radio now we were just talking about bookkeeping bookkeeping so we can kind of start up again you know if if we expect to get paid for saying these ads we should get paid let's just get them right listen shut the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) cpa is not boring so you gotta make make this kind of exciting guys boring moments i'm sure these are exciting cpas but you know the cpas i know are really cool and fun but um, they never stop talking about how boring their job can be. Yeah. So I'm just saying. That is true. That is true. Um, All right, so I have a question for yeah, you on, on those, you know, where you come out of prison, you had these barriers, and now you're getting successful, you're starting other things. Um, what have you done to um, help promote other guys that are in your situation? Yeah, well, good question. Um, several things. Um, you know, I... Um, for starters, I get a lot of calls from, um, and I haven't gotten to this part of the story yet, but I, I ended up going back to, to, to law school or, or applying to law school and finally admitted, uh, not knowing whether I could ultimately be granted the right to, to practice law in the state of Oregon. Uh, we did, I did um, appeal um, my denial to the Supreme Court in Oregon and won that case unanimously. Um, and there's even a law, a case, case law now in Ray Beers. It's taught at the law schools up and down the West Coast. Cool. It's a uh, ethics class case, and it basically shows a roadmap for um, ne'er do wells to turn their shit around and get get into the practice of law. And wow, um, so That's impressive. you know, we we definitely changed the law and changed the world a little bit in that regard. Um, but so as a result of that, I get calls quite a bit from from. You know, there's there's a number of us out there that are trying to turn their stuff around and um, uh, get educated and go to law school. And so I get calls on a pretty regular basis from folks that are thinking about going to law school or they're in law school or they're figuring out how to navigate this thing. And so and I spend quite a bit of time with guys like that. And you enjoy, like I do, um, sharing what you've learned. And Absolutely. It's, it's, it's exponential in how um, how effective it can be. Well, not only that, I didn't know. I didn't have anybody to call when I was going through it, so I, I just didn't know what I was facing. We were walking again into the sort of the abyss and the unknown, and and uh, just had some faith of non-religious, but some kind of faith that this was going to, you know, if we do the right stuff, the right result will 
will will occur and um, maybe not immediately now nah. yeah it's yeah. again it's back to that power of perseverance yes. you know you got to really believe that the end of the road that there's the right thing's going to be going to be presenting itself to you if you do the right stuff and yeah um it's easy to forget on a day-to-day basis we got a lot of problems that, no, that we it, all have it can as get human you beings, down. but um, it can get you down a little bit but really um as i recall for me i was never really down i was just kind of struggling against the, the current at times um, once I figured out, once I figured out I was the one in charge, uh, which was a big deal for me. That didn't happen until yeah. I was 38 years old. So, um, once I figured that out, it was, it was on. Um, we kind of got off. I wanted you to have a chance to finish your story, uh, get to the point where basically things started really rocking. Yeah. So, um, I got this job at Columbia Sportswear Company representing the company to Wall Street and, um, yeah, I was going to law school at night at, at that time, and the company was supportive of it. So I graduated through law school, and um, uh, Mr. Boyle, Tim Boyle, who's really uh, probably my most important mentor in my life, the president of Columbia Sportswear, um, was a stand-up enough guy to testify for me in front of the Oregon State Bar and tell him that I was, you know, fit for practice the law, and I'd been a great employee, and, and this is stuff that, you know, a guy like that doesn't have to do. I mean, he's, and most wouldn't, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they just, there's headline risk, and a lot of people don't want to be associated with that, even at that point. But it seems you were, in this, you were an exceptional case. Yeah, I mean, apparently, but, you know, I still felt like, even in an exceptional case, a lot of guys would walk away from and wouldn't sure. stand up publicly to to, to, um, to promote. So and this so, is something you're very grateful for. Absolutely. I mean, it, 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 it helped. It, you know, it was one of the sort of bricks in the path that got me to where I'm at, and, and maybe more than just one of the bricks for sure. I mean, it was a pretty important part oh, of the path, sure. for no doubt about it. Um, and um, so, you know, I, uh, I, I, at that point, I felt like the background was still a liability, and I think we talked we talked about this a little bit in the lobby beforehand. Um, there was a point at which my background became a. a a positive and not a negative. I'd like to know how that worked out. Yeah, well, so it wasn't quite at that time. This is early 2000s, let's say. Um, and then I became the general manager for the Sorel brand and later Columbia's global footwear business. And I learned a ton about the, the how the there was a formation for my own company today, right? It was the background that allowed me to learn and develop the network that was important to put together to build this business that we're in now. Um, but you know, at that time, it was still a liability. I was very, st- very much still a, a, uh, nervous about my background being um, widely publicized. And at so this forth. point, you were making a living, though, right? I was making a good living at good this living. point. I was paying my law school, and I had we had a good life. A but really your good higher, life. your higher wishes, your higher dreams and vision were you weren't sure if that was going to be possible. That's right. And so what happened is the Oregonian got wind of the um, uh, Oregon State Supreme Court case and called me out and said, hey, we, what's going, you know, we want to talk to you about this. And I just basically opened the kimono. Had I had the reporter come over to our house in the morning and he, he rode with me to work and I did, you know, so all you my were work. flashing these guys? I was out in the garage working out in the morning. And Open the kimono. Yeah, I wasn't actually <laughs> technically flashing them, but I was giving them access to every part of our life or my life yeah. at that point in time. You were being and, transparent. And what happened is they wrote a big article about it that was pretty high profile here in, in Portland and, um, you know, front page of the business section one morning, and and uh, it was all out there at that point. So there was no turning back. And um, frankly, I just used that, that as a badge of honor, point. and that was really the moment at which I realized that, sure, my background might not be for everybody, but it's for a lot of people because America believes in a second chance, and that's just the way it is. And this is as long as you put your effort towards positive ends on your second chance, 
you're going to get a lot of fans and a lot of people that are they're going to be supporters of that effort. Does that give you chills when you say it like like it does me? I mean, when I think about that, um, I just kind of like, yeah, you know. This yeah, is well, so I'm powerful. very. Pre- it is powerful, and I'm very appreciative of it. And sometimes it's surreal, so I almost don't feel it as a. Uh, like it's a, like it's even me, frankly. Yeah. It's almost, it's because it's a lot bigger than me. It's not just me. It's yeah. it's just I happen to be one of the people that walked through that experience. But yeah, and anybody anybody's been through this. They have they, you're going to have a certain amount of humility, and then that humility gives you courage. It gives you strength. Um, you're not. It's not about me. It's about it's about an idea, and it's about hey, wow, how powerful can can our efforts be that's exactly right so then following you know that sort of um experience i you know continue to do well um columbia and um had the opportunity to work with national crime victims law institute to help um, advocate on that behalf of crime victims generally um got involved later with um some local efforts around um teaching entrepreneur skills to um inmates uh in the portland uh, jail system here and you know, really um, talk to drug courts on a pretty regular basis and, and folks that were in drug courts about um, maybe looking at life a little bit differently than they had been. I don't know whether those uh, any of those things had a real impact, but, um, you know, it was a, I, I'm, I have had letters over the years and I have had people tell me, you know, they've come up to me sort of out of the blue and said, hey, so I you heard know you they talk. have had an impact. You just yeah. don't have the specifics. On it's hard to measure exactly. Yeah. You just know that it's a, it's a positive impact. So. It, it, I remember when I was first getting those kinds of requests, um, and, uh, you know, I put my, my uh, story on the back of the bread bag. I wrote it out, put it on there because I wanted people. I had, people had to know. I was like, I'm going I'm to head this off. People are going to find out I'm a knucklehead anyway. Yep. So why don't just tell them, tell them, <laughs> hey, look, I figured stuff out. And, hey, I'm making bread now. Um, when, I, when I started getting feedback about that or, you know, requests for, for help and stuff like that, I, I didn't really know how to help people other than to tell them my story. Um, but I, I remember thinking, well, it'd be so cool because I'm working at this. I, I do want to help people. When, when I actually see the results, when I see people succeed and be um, influenced and inspired by my story and have it transform their lives, have it be a part of transforming their lives. Sure. Um, and it took years for that to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I mean, to me, you know, I've sort of channeled now my current energies towards helping other people um, by focusing on the entrepreneurial community. Uh, you know, we're only capable of doing so much as individuals. And so I figure I better, you know, narrow my scope a little bit as far as, um, you know, um, working to help to say, I mean, to, to develop our business, but also beyond my own little world, what can I do to, to, to help? And I so I've focused on this startup entrepreneurial community. Really, that's where my efforts have, have uh, been applied, and and it doesn't have to be around ex-cons or, or anything along those lines. Because I've you know I realize how difficult of an existence um, entrepreneurs have, and a lot of them don't actually understand how difficult it's going to get. Mm-hmm. They start out with uh, pretty some grand people aren't, aren't cut out for it. Some people some aren't people built are, for it. I think it's a it's a it's a, a I think you. You know, you're born with it or not. I, I, that's my belief. I know they teach it a lot in different schools, but fundamentally there's an X factor. And there are plenty of great examples of people with no education that have done very well from an entrepreneurial standpoint. And there's plenty of people with lots of education who have done horribly. Yeah. And so I always, I'm a big believer that it's, it's almost like a disease, frankly. I don't mean to put it in negative terms, but it's you're born with it or you're not. And and that's my perspective. It's kind of um, the same th- sort of thing that, that addiction is. Um, yes. You know, but it's a good thing. And yes. Uh, it, it can be bad. It, it can be bad, but it can, it can be a good thing. And that's why I promote the power of perseverance, because I know that 
there again there's always the, the you do the right things and you do them along consistently and for a long enough period of time i i believe that the right results will will, will come together and and so i want to continue well, to encourage and proof well I, so i in turn continue to encourage early stage entrepreneurs mid stage entrepreneurs to to find the strength to keep moving through the problems that they face because the fact of the matter is if we all have enough balls in the air we're going to have problems every day it's just the way it is it's not the problems it's how you deal with the problems and um, there's a solution to every problem is what I found over the years and, mm-hmm. and I feel like um, just trying to keep people motivated and and, uh, and um, you know optimistic for the long term is really maybe one of the more important things I can do to, to help out I agree you know um, I was thinking about starting a business um, I was thinking about swiping Dave's used underwear and selling it on eBay <laughs> and uh, I think I could we should probably, probably talk about that a little bit I'm not sure there's a whole lot of money in that dude um even fresh. Be a pretty narrow audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've all known people that that might work for, but that's probably very limited and very niche. Yes, I would say that's true. So yeah, yeah. but I, I think there's some people out there that would buy them. You know. Anyway, yeah, yeah we're moving on. Um, <laughs> so okay, so you know what? Okay, so you're an attorney. That blows me away. That really blows me away. That is fantastic. I love it. It's um. To me, that's a, a massive accomplish, accomplishment, uh, coming out of prison and becoming an attorney. What is your, are you a business attorney? Yeah, yeah so um, I went to law school, um, literally in my head it was to figure out how shit works. That was the reason I went to law school. I didn't understand governance, I didn't understand how Congress worked, I didn't understand the Constitution. I mean, I didn't understand like so what I was even watching the on the news. Bottom. So I'm like, yeah. I'm gonna go to law school and, and figure out how shit works. <laughs> A, and B, it was about getting, again, a distance between my past life and my what I wanted my future life to be. Um, at that time, everybody was getting MBAs, and so I thought, I'll, you know, I'm going to get a law degree instead of an MBA, and it frankly turned into, um, it was probably the, one of the smartest moves I've ever made, because not because I, I was interested in some, you know, statute or, or black letter law, but it taught me a, 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 a model for problem solving how to frame issues, identify different types of solutions, understand the pros and cons of each of those solutions. That legal mindset and that legal, uh, the way of thinking from a legal standpoint, I apply to business and I frankly apply it to my personal life as well. And it's really, really helped me in a lot of ways. So, um, well, in my case, it was, it was drafting. Um, you know, I never, I never accomplished anything as, um, as great as a law degree, but, uh, well, my prerequisite to success was learn education, though, um, yep. just like yours, yep. except uh, mine was drafting, and it was computers. I, I hadn't done computers before, and here I am sitting on a computer, and everybody around me seemed to be way ahead of me. You all, and they're all inmates, but they had done computers. And so they immediately got on and started making stuff happen. I just couldn't even figure out how to turn the thing on right first. And, <laughs> and it was, oh Got to God. start somewhere. Yeah. And <laughs> within a couple of months, I was killing it, you know, because I just had that spirit um, at that time. And I was finally ready. Uh, but it took me a long time to get there. So drafting being a design thing, uh, learning the principles of design uh, and the mindset for that, you know, ended up, Coming in, in fact, yeah, it was the way that business. I created the brand, yeah. and I created everything. My life, yep. you know, designed my life. 
um, with those principles. Yeah, isn't that funny? That's well. I mean, it's almost exactly the same story, just a slightly different context. But uh, really, it's uh, about finding models for success. Exactly right. You know what, Dave? You know what I was thinking? You know, you should go back to college and get your law degree because as much trouble as you get in, you'd save a lot of money. If you became a lawyer, you'd yes. save a lot of money. I would say probably a hundred, two hundred grand a year, something like that. Yeah, but I don't know if it's worth it. There's other ways I can make that money back. So, I mean, the crime is a lot better. So, but to answer your question, we did. I did start. A, we did start a law firm. Uh, one of my old uh, classmates and I, about eighteen months ago, called Compass Law. So, in addition to the product works business, we have a small law practice. Um, and we uh, focus on, in part, um, entrepreneurial uh, companies that are early stage, especially in the apparel and footwear space, which is a pretty emerging and, and important space here in Portland, Oregon. The theory is... Um, and you didn't produce any shoes or anything? Well, no, not yet, but, uh, you know, we'll get that work, worked okay. out. <laughs> well, you know, maybe we could hook him up with Noah. Noah probably uh, down the road might need a... Cause oh, he's, he's do you know Noah apparel. Schultz by chance? I don't know the name. Uh, okay. Well, Noah Schultz is one of our former guests. He's a young guy, and he's in the apparel. So, yep. yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that someday. You know, a lot of these early-stage entrepreneurs work with larger law firms, and um, they end up getting a bill for a memo that's like five grand, and they get shell-shocked because they can't afford five grand, A, and so they quit calling lawyers. But that ain't the right answer either. The right no. answer is find somebody that's going to give you the right service um, at, a, at a rate that you can deal with and really help you understand the right risks that you need to cover off early stage. Look, as a beginning entrepreneur, early stage entrepreneur, you, it's all about risk. So you can't cover every risk. There's just no. no way, nor should you. But there are certain things that, in terms of how you set your company up, uh, what other pr- kind of agreements and protections you put in place between yourself and third parties that you're LLCs working with. Yeah, I mean, it's there's there's certain key elements that we felt like we could bring to the party to help um, not capitalize off of entrepreneurs here in Portland in the space, but to help promote them so that they can become bigger and more successful and not get drained at an early stage by legal fees and, and or, or overexposed to the wrong wow. types of risks. That's great. So, Well, yeah, I, I have a pretty good attorney, but... Uh, you sound like you might have. I need to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have to talk to you. I have <laughs> actually several attorneys. Like Vlad says, it's un- I, I can't keep up with them. Um, they can't keep up with me. I imagine that's more the case. <laughs> All right, Dave. Looks like we've got to do another little little commercial break here. And this one I was reading over earlier, Dave, and this really reminds me a lot of you. Uh, so everything reminds me of it does. you of me. It does. But this is pork bun domains. Did you see that? I did see that. Websites and internet commerce for the rest of us. Don't be goddamn pig. Pork <laughs> bun, where you can get website domain names for your business or personal brand with the lowest prices and amazing free services. Yeah, everyone's heard of .com, .net, or .org. But did you know you can get a domain name that matches what your startup does? Yeah, domain names have come a long way, haven't they? (laughs) Yes, they have. If you are a design entrepreneur, you could get a design domain name. Man, I'm going to have to... A design domain name. Is that what you're trying to say? A dot design domain. Oh, there you go. There you go. Use your imagination and contact them at Dave's favorite site, porkbun.com. Slash startup radio. How did you know it was my favorite site? (laughs) 
Uh, and, you know what? Uh, I bet that's not true. It's so <laughs> not true. But, you know, I bet you it's a pretty cool deal. I, I mean, I, I would definitely <laughs> consider uh, going there and getting me um, the right domain extension. Is that what you call it? Okay, so uh, we're back to the Q&A with our killer guest. Um, let's go back. What killer guest? Sean I'm drawing a blank. Beers. Sean <laughs> I mean, I feel like I know you already, but I don't know your name. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Uh, you know, it's better than the other way around, I think. Yeah, yeah. We can lead. Um, we can lead off. You know, work, take up where you left off. Yeah. What's so important? you know, just continuing down the um, concept of the power of perseverance, which um, you know, again, is a is a talk I give quite a bit, and I think applies to everybody, not just ex-cons by any means, but certainly to entrepreneurs, um, which is again who I try and spend most of my. Um, time with. I find, by the way, the most interesting people in the world tend to be entrepreneurs, uh, my, my point of view. Most no, of them don't have a lot of time, though. That's why you got to get to the point. you got to <laughs> <Yeah>. get moving. <laughs> uh, less bullshit to deal yeah, with. That's right. Uh, I like it. Um, uh, so, you know, in 2008, I, I leave Columbia, and um, I become the president of a small um, fly fishing company here in Portland by the name of Corkers, which was a really cool experience. Um, frankly, I, I thought I knew everything when I left Columbia, but the reality is I knew how to manage a product line and how to work with designers, but I didn't know shit about banking. I really didn't know shit about entrepreneurship, I guess is what it comes down to, mm. um, about really do, making fire out of rubbing sticks. Um, you know, like I had a lot of resources at Columbia, so of course, why wouldn't I be successful? But when you don't have any resources, now you got to rely on yourself and your network and figure out how to get it done without, you know, throwing money at every problem. And uh, that's what we did. That's what we learned at Corkers. That's what I learned at Corkers. Um, it was an absolutely um, irreplaceable part of my, my experience and, and uh, couldn't have started my own company if I hadn't have gone through that effort. So we ended up doing pretty well in that business. It was real fun. Um, I'm a big fly fisherman, so that didn't hurt uh, either. And, um, you know, really about your product appreciative of the family, the Cheney family that hired me and Worked with uh, worked with them, and they're still doing great here in Portland. Um, uh, I sold my shares back to the family in 2012, um, and at that time was in negotiations with Woolrich to um, become the licensee for footwear and slippers for that brand. Meaning, I would design it, source it, sell it, warehouse it, finance it, the whole nine yards, and just pay them a royalty for the rights to use their name. Very complicated business, um, but you know I saw this little sliver of opportunity, and frankly, I got the contract signed. I didn't even have a company formed yet. I kind of bullshitted my way through it, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and um, you know, you we to, just yeah. saw saw that sliver of an opportunity and went for it, and raised about a million dollars from private sources to start the business up, and ra rallied a number of my design and marketing friends around the table, and we all sort of split up the shares and and went to work and. Um, you know, that was uh, that was a, an interesting experience. Um, we were never sort of higher than, than the time when we started that company, uh, started the company and, and got that first launch going. However, um, back to the power of perseverance, I got slapped in the face pretty hard again by my background in, um, you know, probably six months before our production was set to leave Asia to come here to the U.S. for distribution to all our retailers. We had sold like $4 million the first year, which is a really great, great uh, start for a footwear business. Um, and, or for any business for to be four million the first year, and uh, 
I didn't have financing lined, or I thought I had financing lined up to pay the factories, um, but I got a call on the front end of a three-day weekend from the the uh, specialty finance company in Dallas, Texas, that had told me they were going to finance our inventory purchases, mm-hmm. and I asked them if they were calling to offer me better rates, and um, they nope. said, well, no, in fact, um, our bank, that who they were working through, uh, had informed them that they weren't willing to work with me because of my background, even mm-hmm. though I had... Ex- fully divulged everything and it's been 20 years ago at that point in time and so forth and so now I'm sitting here on the front end of a three day weekend with nobody to call no money to finance the inventory purchases we've already placed with our factories and really wondering if I'm so maybe I hit the end of the road here maybe I've come as far as I can maybe this is it and I didn't really know what what to do. But um, you weren't ready to give up yet. Hell no. Um, didn't probably sleep at all that weekend got uh, Tuesday morning came and uh I was on it, and I, f- I figured out, okay, I'm going to just get out there in the world and figure out where money is. And I, f- I was in La- Salt Lake City with Mormons, and I was in the Diamond District in and New York City. And you bank uh, on your way. Yeah, I, I thought about it, but I didn't actually do that. Uh, but um, <laughs> that would be a last-ditch effort. I, I, I found some other sources before then. But, uh, you know, um, again, it was a deal where, fine, we got to dig in and work hard on this one, the power of perseverance, what's the solution to the problem. What's the problem, even? And uh, mm. I found I ended up finding a way to finance that inventory purchase, and um, we we uh, you know kind of the rest is kind of history. So did you just find a champion? No, I, I just found independent finance sources that um, that were able to that were small enough, um, but had enough money that were able to um, overlook my background. They didn't it didn't matter to them. They were more interested in the security interest that they had in the inventory, and my knowledge of the industry, as opposed to. Um, having to tell their boss about my, some, my, this guy's background. So you did have some backup, some collateral, basically. Well, not just the inventory itself. I mean, I didn't have any personal. I mean, I have a personal guarantee on stuff, but I don't have the, the kind of money that we were talking. We were had you know two two and a half million dollar loans to pay for inventory. Significant. Yeah. Um, yeah so I didn't have that by any means, but um, they were able to attach the security interest to the inventory that was being built. Is how we got through that initially, and. Um, um, so, anyways, again, it's back to the power of perseverance. It's been very easy to say, you know, let's just go get a, go back to corporate America, get a job, do something different. The stress is unbelievable, especially at that point, because you know, I had probably ten employees. My whole family's counting on me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's tough stress. That's not easy stress. Um, there, there's stress that I, I remember. Stress that is just, man, I got so much to do, and so the resources are limited. Um, but you know. I don't, I, the stress of having the family, see, mm-hmm. I didn't have that really. Um, I got out with kind of a clean slate, didn't, yep. have, didn't have an old lady, didn't have kids. I mean, I did, but um, they were growing up basically. So anyway, I mean, I can see the struggles there. Um, yeah, I got three boys and they were, you know, eight, ten, and there's four, eight, and ten or something at this point. Yeah. And um, I, you know, I got to deal with that. I got to make sure I take care of them. And, um, you know, I was just this very uncertain period, even though, you know, apparent, even at that point in time, you could have read this resume that you read at the beginning of the show. It would have still seemed like I was, you know, this accomplished person or whatever. But I felt probably as low the day I figured out I wasn't getting financing as I did the day I got I left Smith Barney that I told you about earlier. Back in the into show. the adversity sort you know? of thing. And so you're right back there in the blink of an eye. And now you've got to figure out, OK, what's next? And I'm kind of curious. Um about marketing, PR, uh, you know, website stuff, uh, you know, all these things are, are interesting to me. I'd like to know, um, 
how did you know what did you do for that on that side and what are you doing with respect to our businesses you're yes. saying yeah well so um Interestingly, up until recently, we didn't actually run any direct-to-consumer businesses because um, the Woolrich business was a wholesale-only business, so I didn't run their website. Um, about, uh, let's say, a year, seven, eight months ago, um, we entered into two relationships that uh, um, caused me to, to commit myself to learning digital marketing um, at a very high level and be very good at it in the long wow. term. One is um, we signed a license with Polaris, which is the snowmobile company. So we're, we're, we now run polarisfootwear.com. So it's all our inventory and it's all our digital marketing efforts to drive traffic and conversions at that site. The second is we, we purchased a women's workwear brand. Think of Carhartt for women, basically, mm-hmm. called Moxie and Moss Workwear. It's a Portland-based company, but we're renaming it and relaunching it Dovetail Workwear June 1st. Mm-hmm. We did $10,000 yesterday online. Was our, fantastic. And we just bought the business. And, I mean, that's a pretty good run rate if you do the math on a 365-day basis. So, so, so you're, real quick, you're, can you plug uh, any sort of websites or anything that you have that you want people to see? Um, well, we yeah, so um, PolarisFootwear.com would be one. So PolarisFootwear.com. And the second would be um, currently MoxieAndMoss.com. Um, and we're very excited about both of these businesses, um, particularly the women's workwear piece, because women have gotten short shrift over the years, as we all understand. And now we have a product line and, and uh, really a focus um, that allows them to um, get great gear to, so that they can do their jobs uh, uh, you know, at a high level without having to be compromised by wearing men's apparel and men's workwear and so forth. And it's been very well received. And well, I'm happy Lad, to be a part of that effort. Lad does, the, you know what? Lad likes to wear women's stuff. Well, so. we might be able to get you fitted. Yeah. You're welcome to come by anytime. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> I started wearing women's clothes because Dave left some over at the house. <laughs> but hey, I was also going to ask you, you know, you were talking earlier about Another long um, weekend. guys call you about, you know, startups and whatever. Yeah. Um, is there some way they can contact you if someone's listening? It might be Yeah, anybody can contact me anytime. I'm super accessible. I'm happy to, to I love the topic of entrepreneurship and if you're an entrepreneur and you you want to talk about your ideas or something more, you know, specific like how to manage the financials or legal considerations or whatever. I'm I'm happy to give you my point of view and, and experience anytime, no, no charge, whatever. Just call me. Um, at I least mean, now. Wait till this this show gets really popular. Yeah, well, <laughs> you never know what the future holds, yeah. I guess. But uh, it's a good start. You can call me at five zero three four eight one two two eight zero. You can go to our website at portlandproductworks.com, W-E-R-K-S, portlandproductworks.com, and just send us a note at info. Um, you can email me, seanbeers at comcast.net. So um, all of those are methods that you can get a hold of me. You can Google Works me. Works is W-E-R-K-S. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, you can Google my name, Sean Beers, and, and you should be able to find me. I'm not I'm not hiding from anybody, so not anymore. No, because so. it works in your favor. That's a, bit, <laughs> a big lesson right there. I mean... <laughs> Vulnerability and um, you know accessibility and uh, trans transparency, yeah. uh, beautiful, beautiful weapons. Yeah, I think transparency is one of the more powerful tools in the universe. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, you, how you good can, does it feel? It feels great. It feels. Uh, 
Well, you know, you remember when you used to be looking over your shoulder all the time and, yeah. like, uh, every, you had to move hotel relief. rooms every day and um, using false names. and It was fun, wasn't it? It was fun, <laughs> but you know what? It was, uh, it was a stressful, stressful, and, and, and really unfulfilling off. life. And uh, now to be able to be transparent, you know, maybe I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I'm not trying to be everybody's cup of no. tea. And, um, and, and that's okay. I'm not anybody's enemy either. So bottom line is being transparent, open, and honest about who you are is... Um, Refreshing. It's a, it's, uh, it's just a much better way to live and, and uh, more productive and better for everybody. So, you know, if you're comfortable, um, you know, tell us a little bit about your support system, your family, and you know that type of stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I'm I'm single. Um, I have been uh, I've had been married several times and um, have not always been the, the probably the greatest model husband. Because uh, you're an entrepreneur. Damn well, it. that could have something to do with it. Um, they would they maybe say something else, uh, but. Yeah. Uh, you know the the reality is I've got three really great boys. Um, uh, they're you know late teens and, and early teens, um, and uh, their mother, um, who also works for the company, um, uh, you know, has been just the absolute stand-up mom. So she's taking care of those boys uh, like as a model mom should. And um, you know, I've worked real hard to try and make sure that they've got the financial means to do what needs to be done. Stand-up guy. Well. You know, again, we've all got our shortcomings, but yeah. I've worked hard to, to try and make sure that everybody's got what they need in life and, and uh, the, at least the ability to get to the point where they can think and take care of themselves. And um, uh, so, you know, as my parents are still there as a support part of the support system. Um, you know, other entrepreneurs, frankly, are, are around um, that have influenced me and, and, and been there when I, I need some some assistance from my own, um, which, which happens from time to time. And... Um, you know, frankly, just being involved in organizations like OEN or um, the National Crime Victim Law Institute um, or more informally just working with entrepreneurs themselves. I teach a lot of entrepreneurial classes through the Portland Development Commission, which is now Prosper Portland. Um, How do you find It's very time? cathartic, you know. I mean, that is just I, – I find, you know, we as entrepreneurs, the, we're stronger when we're together. Hey, Dave, do you remember uh, when we went to San, San Quentin and you Twice. spoke to uh, the entrepreneurs – Yep, there, there was uh, there was were, cool. There was cool. That was a cool program. They had um, the last the last mile was the was was the last mile for the guys who really had excelled at the um, education system, which they had there, which is pretty cool. A couple thousand guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last the last mile is just guys who are entrepreneurs, basically going to be entrepreneurs. They may not even ever be getting out, uh, some of them, mm. but they are still going to, you know, do something entrepreneurial in there. Um, it can be done. Of course. You know? uh, so, yeah, that was a pretty cool thing. Um, and that was run by venture capitalists. With uh, was, That was their way of giving back, and it was also lucrative for them. Well, I think it's a cool. It sounds like a cool program, and the the, the thing about it is, um, there's not that many guys that can go in there and have credibility to talk to audiences like that. Because right. you know, if you're not one of them, then you're just another guy talking to them. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a different deal altogether. So, um, you but and I have this authenticity, and all of us that do. We do, uh, but but the, I I want to say also that I want to. As, as well as that's true, I also want to say that there are people with expertise in certain areas, say, uh, as entrepreneurs, as whatever, uh, venture capitalists in this case, guys that um, can go in there and teach them things if they're really passionate about sure. helping people. Yep. That's what they can they can provide. And I, rec- I, uh, I encourage folks who haven't been in prison to also help with whatever they can. 
they have their unique um, capabilities. For sure. Uh, but yes, you're right. I think uh, our our past and, and our street cred means something, means a lot to these guys. Um, yeah, I think we're uniquely qualified in some ways um, to 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 help certain percentages of those guys find the motivation or continue to persevere or to believe in themselves enough to know that, yeah, you might be in a real tight spot right now, but um, if you got the energy and the smarts, you know, you can, I mean, I'm no, I'm nothing special. I mean, well, you're not a dummy. No, but you know, it's all more, it's way more about attitude and work ethic yes. than anything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the thing is a lot of people go through life with, uh, and, and they don't, don't really experience the adversity that we've experienced and they're still successful. That's right. um, it happens. And, uh, but, but the thing that we provide, I believe is, is that experience of adver- adversity that actually was a um, jumping off point and it, it pushed us forward. Yeah. we, at least I did. So, um, yeah, it served as a catalyst as opposed yeah. to a barrier. I mean, yes. it really was Eventually. the thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, before I forget to ask you this, I wanted to ask you, if you had an extra hour in your day, what do you think you would use it for? Um, I'd probably play music. Yeah? Yeah, I'd play guitar. Let's talk about guitar a little bit now. we got a little bit of time. Lad, what do you think we can, you know, this is something we're both passionate about. We're guitar players. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about guitar a little bit. Well, you know what? Um, you know that in a couple of weeks uh, we're going to be on air, and we are going to be kind of making up our new theme song for the show. Yeah. So because the theme song that I wrote, I never wrote it for the show. If I would have wrote that, if I would have written a theme song for the show, it'd been a lot edgier instead of just like uplifting, you know, kind of gay sort of thing, you know, that I... I Not there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> nothing wrong with nothing that. Nothing wrong with that. Oh, let me, let me point out that. that, yes, uh, I have nothing to get... In fact, if I'd have been gay in prison, I probably would have never left. Yeah. So... <laughs> so let me ask you this about, about uh, is it going to be an instrumental, or is it going to be... Are you going to sing, or, or are we going to invite uh, Sean back it to would sing? Take, it? Yeah, Sean. I'm not a singer, I can uh, tell you that, but... But, uh, he's, but he's a slinger. Uh, yeah, he, he's, <laughs> uh, In more ways than one. Yep. Um, been a slinger all his yeah. life. So, um, yeah, so that's great. I mean, the cool thing about this, I want to talk to you off air because I have other ideas. Uh, I would love to sure. rope you in on, yep. but uh, so let's let's talk about your music a little bit. What are you, what are your what are your accomplishments in music? What are your dreams in music? Or is it just completely sort of a hobby, or do you have bigger aspirations? Yeah, well, you know, when I moved to LA um, and I was kind of running from the law at the same time, I went to MIT, which is a musicians institute down in Hollywood. So you have to audition to get in there, and I. I you know, I was a pretty good guitarist, um, but I got into heroin pretty heavily, and I just couldn't do it. I mean, yeah. I dro- ended up dropping out about three-quarters of the way through the year, and, um, you know, then just got went down the rat hole that, that we've talked about. Um, but um, in terms of my aspirations, you know, I've really put it on the sidelines. I mean, I have my whole living room is full of guitars. It's just yeah. guitars and basses and amps, and that's all that's in there. Like my really, and frankly, if I didn't have a girlfriend when I first moved in there, I wouldn't even have a couch. I'd have a drum kit in the middle of my living room, but... Uh, bottom line is, uh, you know, I still still wish I could. I mean, I've got a lot of music that I've written. Um, I'm, I feel like there's a whole world of creativity that I haven't been able to tap into, just because I've been, you know, busy. busy doing these other things. It's not your priority, number and one. And it's not my priority. But um, some good stuff's come out over the years, regardless. And 
I mean, my biggest musical hero is Jerry Garcia, so that's where I'm at. Uh, so you're the dad. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, particularly Jerry, and and yeah. uh, and and everything about about Jerry Garcia. Yeah. Um, but also big jazz guy. So uh, you know, Wes Montgomery. Um, you know, all the great jazz uh, guitarists for sure. Um, I'm a lowbrow player. I'm a blues guy. You know. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a jazz musician by any means. I just like what they do. But oh, I cool like Jer- stuff, Jerry's yeah. blues is, and is the core of, the, of everything we're talking about. I'm so. still trying to master the blues. I mean, you could spend the rest of your life, I think, trying to master it and not be as good as... I could, you know, I mean, well, me Stevie too. Ray Well, there's some guys around town, Terry Robb, for example, is yeah. probably the preeminent bluesman in the world. Absolutely. What about favorite guitars? What's your favorite in your collection, y'all? Oh, I picked up in a 61 Epiphone, black and white Epiphone, little, I don't know what the model number is exactly. Solid body? Yeah, yeah it's a solid body, yeah. electric. Uh, what kind uh, of shape is it? It's a oval kind of a shape with a little two double cutouts, uh-huh. top and bottom, and oh, like lipstick. Uh, Not an SG, though, right? No, 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 no. no. Um, it, it'd be like one that you'd see Jimmy Page playing back in right with the, the lipsticks, yeah, with the Yardbirds. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a cool guitar shop up on 21st that has some really great instruments. They opened up probably six, eight months ago, and uh, that guy always has some great, great inventory. I just walked in there one day. Which one is it? That up. Can't remember the name. Thunder Road Guitars is what oh, right it's called. On. Yeah, yeah, they're a great place. Anybody that's interested, um, that's a it's a great little shop. Other than that, um, you know, I've got an old, just slightly post-war Martin acoustic that I. Love mm-hmm. and then I have my Martin. I don't remember the model, but it's maybe a D8 or O18 um, that I bought in prison. That yeah. uh, sits in my living room and I play it, you know, every day. And and uh, it's the guitar. That's I all you when need I... is a couple of great guitars. Yeah. And I have a bunch of great uh, guitars. Uh, and I never can. I mean, I have basically settled on two electrics, a Tele, a GNL Tele, which is a different sort of deal, but and also a GNL Strat. Those yeah. are two my two favorite. I have a Les Paul. Uh, custom that um, ah, it's been nothing but trouble. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's not like these beautiful GNLs that I play. And you know, Dave's got all these guitars, right? And so um, we'll go out in the garage where we have our our, uh, our sound yeah. system and everything set up, and and I'll grab a guitar and he'll grab a guitar. And then halfway through the thing, he'll say that he wants to play the guitar I'm playing. Yeah, hey, give it up. <laughs> give it up, and it's his guitar. What am I going to do? Get your own damn guitar. That's what's <laughs> That's the lesson. That's one solution. Yeah. We're getting pretty short on time, huh? So let's see. What am I supposed to do now, Alon? Um, Dave, I think we should uh, thank our producers and Alon a oh, little bit. what an you know? idea. That's a novel idea. Thank Isn't you, thank it? you. My pleasure always. Yeah, all on's all great. Um, helps us keep things moving along. Um, and I know he's very, uh, he, he gets kind of upset when you talk about gay people. Well, he does. But, you know, he's, he's also a musician, so he's got one side. All of us are musicians in here. Yeah. And yeah. I lose that term, I use that term loosely because uh, Lad's definitely loosely a musician. Loose. <laughs> um, and I want to thank uh, everyone for joining us this week on Felony Inc. with me, Dave Dahl, and him, Lad Justison, and I want to thank our guest, Sean Beers. Hey, thank you. Yeah, it's great. And man, it's been really great. It's, time has gone really fast. Join us every week at, at startupradionetwork.com. If you don't join us live, we may just visit your house late at night when you're least expecting it <laughs> and make you listen. Breaking and entering my ass. This will be full-on breaking and listening. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Make great things happen and get shit done.
10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.